Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, we've been going through the book of Acts for the summer, and we're not going to be able to finish the whole book, but I think chapters 10 and 11 really kind of help summarize some things that, and I'm going to use this, this to close out our study of Acts, and, and we're just reminded the importance to trust God's Word and the importance to trust sound wisdom. You know, there's just something about our human nature. We, we want what we want, and we think we know what's best, and we think we know what's better, and we just decide, I, I want this, I want that, and, uh, and you know what? Nobody had to teach you to be that way. I mean, I remember when I was like in the first or second grade, uh, my dad was general man- manager of a large company, and and um, we uh, <clears throat> he in his office area uh, in the manufacturing area they he had a big old teletype machine you know back when, back in the day this is back in the early '60s and and uh, that was fun to play with that but he also had this two-way radio and uh, because they dealt with doctors all up and down the East Coast and. And, uh, and they would use that to uh, talk to different people and suppliers and all these things. And one of my classmates back in the second grade, he and his dad were, you know, his dad was like an amateur ham operator. So they had uh, a setup at home as well. And so he and I got this idea, I'm going to go to my dad's office and you and I are going to talk to each other over the radio. And uh, so we, we, he told me the frequency to use. And so I went up to my dad's office. I said, okay, here's the frequency. And, and my friend's waiting. We can talk to him. And dad looked at the frequency. He said, well, there's a problem, son. He said, you know, you, you have these crystals. Uh, <clears throat> these, are, these sets operate on crystals that vibrate a certain frequency. And, and you have to have a crystal to receive a certain frequency and you have to have a different crystal to transmit. And so he said, basically, he can hear us, but we will not hear him because I don't have a crystal for that frequency to receive. I said, well, let's try it anyway. And he said, well, I'm telling you, it's not gonna work. It's just physically not gonna work. Well, it might work. I mean, I'm just like, you know, we got to try, right? And, and so he finally said, okay, we'll try. And for about 15 minutes, we sat there and we kept calling my friend's numbers, whatever there it is, and uh, we'd listen, we'd call it again, we'd listen. And I got so disappointed, I was so frustrated. At school the next day, I saw my friend, I said, hey, I called you and you never answered. He said, oh yeah, I did. I answered and you never listened. And, uh, you know, and every time you called out, I, we responded and, and, uh, and I said, oh, I guess my dad knew what he was talking about. You know, he, he was exactly right. You know, but sometimes that's the way it is with us and God. You know, we, we know what's best for us and God will sometimes say to us, okay, I'm going to let you have what you think is best for you and let's see what happens. In fact, we can be so rebellious about an issue, especially if it's a sin issue, that God will even say to us, say, look, you're determined to be involved in this sin, in this sin issue. I'm going to give you over to it. In other words, 
you're going to get to a point where you can't say no. And it's, it's, sometimes that's how God punishes us or, or disciplines us and even judges us. So it's, it is a dangerous thing not to trust God's word. I, I saw this on the internet. You probably have already seen it. But I thought, man, this so represents us and God. You know, when we think that we know what's best and we just don't listen and, uh, and then we pay a price for it. So watch this, this video. The child will not stop insisting on tasting this. I keep telling him it's going to be gross, but he does not want to listen. So I'm going to let him find out for himself. No matter how old you are, you can still be that little kid, right? But I want to taste it. I know it's going to be good. I, I just know. I just know it's going to it's going to be right for me. And God says, "Okay, let's just see what let's see what happens." I mean, there's just something about us that we want what we want, and there's something about us that we have our attitudes and we have our feelings about things, and we think we're right and everybody else is wrong. I, so one of the things I do several times with you is, is just that stop and remember kind of moment. And, and it is important periodically in your life as a believer to stop and remind yourself what's the end game. I mean, at the end of the day, where does all this come to? In the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, in the last chapter, chapter 4, Verses one and two remind us of what the end game is, of how this is all going to end. And, and let me just read those verses for you. It says, the Lord of heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming. I mean, it's going to happen. It's not here yet, but it's set and it's going to happen. You can act all day long like it's not going to happen, but it's going to happen. And you can say all day long that you don't believe it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And it is coming, burning like a furnace, not a wildfire that just destroys. Uh, I mean, a furnace is intense heat. It says, now on that day, and it is coming, it, it gives two categories, the arrogant and the wicked. Now, I wouldn't use the word wicked to describe me and you, but... In my heart, guess what? We really are wicked. I mean, you take away Jesus and you just find a wicked person. You take Jesus out of your life, there's nothing but wickedness there. And, and certainly arrogance. I mean, I don't consider myself an arrogant person, but every time I want my way, I'm being kind of arrogant. Whenever I think I know better than what God says, I'm definitely being arrogant. 
And, and it says on that day, now he's talking about believers and and the future coming of Jesus in a moment. <clears throat> on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. In other words, total destruction. Now, this is not annihilation. I mean, sometimes I kind of wish there was annihilation. I, you know, I, it would make me feel a little bit better if I thought non-believers would die and, and they would go to hell. And, but then it would be over. They would be punished, and then they just didn't exist anymore. I mean, it gives me a little comfort if that was true, but that's not true. That's not what scripture teaches. Uh, in fact, in Matthew 25, Jesus said, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the, the righteous will go into eternal life. So there's not this, you're punished, it's over. No, it's you're punished and you're punished and you're punished and it never, ever ends. And that's for the arrogant and the wicked. Only by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ are you declared not arrogant and not wicked. You are declared righteous. Only because of what Jesus did for you. You remove Jesus, you're arrogant and you're wicked. I am arrogant and I am wicked. That's just my human nature. So the end day is coming. It's a set day. And verse two, I love this. But for you who fear the name, the son of, the, son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Now, He's referring to Jesus here. In, in the Old Testament, a phrase is used to describe Jesus as the son of righteousness. It doesn't use that in the New Testament. In the New Testament, uh, he's called the bright and morning star. And the Old Testament doesn't use that phrase to describe Jesus. So <clears throat> here he is, the son of righteousness. This is Jesus. And, and then I just love this. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves let out to pasture. I, I love that image. Um, a pasture, a calf or a cow has been in a stall and he's limited and he's confined there. And then he's set free and he just, just goes, runs around. The calf just goes and plays. Well, this is kind of the image, I think, of our life here and now compared to when we go to heaven. See, right now, as, even as believers, it's like we live in a stall. And in that stall, <clears throat> you and I have to, well, we just have to deal with stuff. Temptations, struggles, worry, fear, attitudes, arrogance. I mean, there's just stuff you and I, I, I mean, how many times you get just sick and tired of dealing with the same thing over and over again? I mean, right, some of you, you probably would agree with me if you said, hey, I'm dealing with the, some of the same sins I dealt with in high school. I'm dealing with some of those same sins, <clears throat> some of those same attitudes. I'm still dealing with it. It's like I'm trapped. I'm in, a, I'm in this stall and it's just there. And all my fears and all my worries, it's just all, I can't get away from it. 
But praise Jesus, on that day of judgment is also a day of freedom. Those who have rejected Jesus, <coughs> they will be judged for their arrogance and their wickedness. But also on that day, those who've trusted Christ, you're going to be set free. And, and you're, just, you're going to just run and romp around, and, and you're going to be so excited, and <coughs> you're going to say, I don't have to deal with that sin anymore. I don't have to deal with that temptation anymore. That's all gone. I, I'm, I am free as a bird. Man, that, you just, that's just going to be wonderful. So this day is coming, the day of the Lord. It's going to happen. And so I keep that in mind that <clears throat> my job is I never stop fearing or revering the name of the Lord. He's the one. He, I, I can be like this little kid all day long, but at the end of the day, the parent really does know what, what she was talking about. I can get arrogant and I can think I know what's best, but God knows what he's talking about. God's word is true. So that day is coming. With Jesus, it's a day of judgment. Without, without Jesus, it's a day of judgment. With Jesus, it's a day of freedom. When you're finally let free of all those struggles, those temptations. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm thankful for that. But here's the, here's the truth that's going to bring us all together as we close out the book of Acts. Jesus is for everyone. Absolutely everyone. There is no room in a believer's life for prejudice. There's no room for a judging heart. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for pride. There's no room for looking down on others. There's no room for focusing on the sins of others instead of looking at their need. There's no room for comparing and looking at how somebody's different. Jesus is for everyone. Now, Acts chapter 10 and 11 make that very, very clear. So I'm just kind of walk story form with you about this. And in Caesarea, there was a Roman officer. He was called a captain, he was also a centurion. A centurion, he was over 100 guys, 100 soldiers. And um, the, the, the rank of a centurion, that was the highest rank a regular soldier could get to. That, that would be the highest rank he could get. But he was also a very, very important guy, an influential guy, because he was always on the front line with his soldiers. He, he wasn't back in some command center. He was right there with the guys. So there was a trust level. He, he was a satirian. <clears throat> He's the guy who made decisions on the spot. You know, when they were dealing with something, he made the call. So he was trained. He was, he was trusted. 
And this guy, his name was Cornelius. There's six different centurions that we know about in the New Testament. Two of them are believers. And Cornelius becomes one of them. He was also obviously a guy of leadership and a guy of influence because here's what it says. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone else in his household. Now, when I read that part, if everyone else in your household is God-fearing and, and, and believing the Lord, that's because your actions and your words matched up with each other. So Cornelius, being this leader, and he was this, did good things. I mean, the Bible says he gave to the poor. And the people that lived with him and worked with him and his close associates, they were sitting there going, Cornelius is the real deal. His words and his actions match up. You know, one of the reasons why a lot of parents lose the ability to influence their kids is because what you say and what you do don't match up. And your kids, they see that. I mean, if your kids see you being one thing at church and different at home, why would they be influenced by Christ. Why would they kind of push back from Christ? So Cornelius obviously lived it and he did it. His life was he was a person of ethics. He he was who he said he was and he lived out his faith. And and here he is a Gentile. <clears throat> he was not Jewish, but he was drawn to that. In fact, he was well respected by the Jewish community. He probably went to synagogue to hear what they had to say. I mean, obviously, there was a pull in him towards, there, there's got to be something or someone out there. And, and so even without knowing about, you know, knowing <clears throat> what to do about Jesus, he started worshiping God anyway. And he started there was obviously an influence in his life because it made a difference as to how he lived. So it says one afternoon about three o'clock, he had a vision. Now the difference between a vision and a dream is a vision you're awake. And so he's awake and he has this vision and an angel of God was walking towards him. And he called him by name. He said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in terror. Well, here's this hardened Roman soldier. And if he's afraid... There was good reason to be afraid. <clears throat> and, and so he said, what is it, sir? And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. That's an interesting statement right there. You see, the Bible tells us that God looks at your heart. He judges your, your motives. Uh, that's why you can do good things, but if your heart doesn't match up with that. And so God examined his heart and he said, Cornelius is a good guy. He really is seeking after me and I'm going to make sure he finds me. 
And, and so the angel told him, God has accepted your offering. He has received it. Now, this is also a very important principle. <clears throat> when you do things for others, the Bible says, do for others as unto the Lord. That is true. See, so I, when I give good gifts, when I do something to help someone, God receives that unto himself as an offering to him that's acceptable. See, you see what's happening? And so that's why when I treat somebody the way Jesus would want me to treat somebody, God receives that as an offering. That I look at someone and I treat somebody the way Jesus would do it. Because anything Jesus did is acceptable by God. <clears throat> so this is what's happening. And, and, and so then he tells him, send some men to Joppa and summon a man there named Simon Peter. He's staying with a guy, another guy named Simon who's a tanner who lives by the seashore. <clears throat> and so as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius took two of his, uh, told two of his servants and a devout soldier, his personal attendant. Now the reason I think he probably sent a Roman soldier was nobody's gonna mess with him. And, and if you're the personal attendant of a centurion, really nobody's going to mess with you. Because if you messed with that Roman soldier, you got a centurion and his hundred soldiers that would come, come pay you a visit. And, and so he wouldn't have problems going through any checkpoints. He wouldn't have problems. It, it would be a safe journey. So uh, Cornelius, he understood how it worked. And, and so I like the fact that here, Cornelius, who's not a Christ follower yet, immediately did what the angel of the Lord told him to do. Now, we're going to compare that to something else in just a moment. But he immediately responded. He didn't call a meeting and get other people's opinions. He didn't say, hmm, I need to think about this for a while. No, he immediately did exactly what the angel told him to do. And so as soon as the angel was gone, he did that. <clears throat> Not only did he tell him to go do that, because all he had to do is Go to Joppa and find this guy. He told them the story. Now, I mean, that took a lot of courage. Hey, guys, uh, an angel came and talked to me. You see, they so trusted this guy, and they so believed in him. This non-believer right now, he's not a believer yet. And when he says, an angel came and talked to me, they're sitting there going, yes, sir. You say so. If you, if you say an angel came to see you, I believe it. And they immediately did exactly what he told them to do. And so the next day, as Cornelius' messengers was nearing the town, Peter, now here's Peter, an apostle who walked with Jesus. So he's, a, he's obviously, I mean, he's one of the top dogs here. Peter went up on a flat roof to pray, and it was about noon. And he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance, so a, a vision. And he saw the sky opened up, and this sheet, like a bed sheet, the four corners are being held up, and it drops down. And on that were animals, reptiles, and birds. And, and a voice said to him, get up and kill and eat. And, he, and Peter, because he knows better, said, no, Lord, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice said, 
Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. That's another way of saying, I don't care about your rules. I've said these are clean. That's enough. God's word is enough. When God says so, that ends the conversation. But here is um, Peter again. The same vision was repeated three times. Why do you think that was? I don't know. Something about Peter and the number three. You know, he denied Jesus three times. I mean, it, it's like he's a little, you know, he's got a, a hard head there. He's got, he, he's a pretty stubborn guy. And, and, and so <clears throat> here Cornelius, not a Christ follower yet, immediately did what the angel said to do. Peter, who is a Christ follower, is arguing with God. No way, God, I'm not going to do that. I've kept all the rules. And so God had to do it three times to finally get the lesson across. Peter, I don't want you to miss this. So we're going to do it one more time. And hey, Peter, just in case you didn't get the first two times, let me tell you one more time. You know, so I mean, he, he, it's kind of like your kids. Some kids, you know, you only have to tell them once. Other kids, you know, you got to tell them five times before they hear you the first time, right? You know what I'm talking about? So Peter is just that little stubborn guy. And in fact, in verse 17, it says, Peter was very perplexed. He was struggling with this. He was like, what do I do with this? And and, um, just then, the men that God sent by Cornelius, they showed up, and they're standing at the gate, and they're asking for Simon Peter. And, And as Peter's puzzling over this vision, you see, that's another thing. Cornelius, not a Christ follower yet, he didn't puzzle over it. He acted on it. Peter, trying to figure things out. And uh, so it gives me a little hope that, uh, you know, Peter's, you know, I'm kind of like that. And and, and so um, the angel said, get up, go downstairs. Or the Holy Spirit said, get up, go downstairs and meet with them without hesitation. Don't worry. I sent them. And so Peter went downstairs and said, I'm the man you're looking for. I mean, let's face it. You see a Roman soldier, you're going to be a little nervous, right? And a Roman soldier's coming and looking for you by name. You're going to be a little nervous, rightly so. But finally, he got it and decided I need to do this. And so they said, hey, Cornelius, a Roman centurion, by the way, who is a devout, God-fearing man, and he's respected by all the Jews that know him. A holy angel instructed him to summon you so that we can hear your message. Well, that's obviously the gospel message. And and so Peter invited them to stay the night, the next one, because it's a two-day trip. So they rested, got ready, got packed, left the next day. And even some other people with Peter joined them. So now it's a pretty big crowd that's going back to Cornelius's place. And when they arrived to Caesarea, Cornelius was waiting for them. Not only waiting, he got his whole family together and he got a bunch of friends together. I mean, 
I don't know how many of his soldiers he might have called in there, but he had a crowd there because he, here's, here's what he knew. God talked to me through an angel. And God told me to go get this guy and bring him here because he's got a word for us. And this is not just for me, but it's for all of us. I mean, Cornelius is already thinking about others. He, he thought about the poor. He wanted to help them because he saw how they were living. <clears throat> and now he knows he's getting a word directly from God. He wants everybody on this journey with him. And you see, that's, that's an attitude that we're seeing in a non-believer right now. He, he's, he's a believer, but he doesn't know Jesus yet. <clears throat> but he's got a Christ-like attitude. And we need that same attitude. So it's kind of like, hey, I've been saved. I want to get as many of my friends and family members saved with me. I want as many people as possible to go on this journey with me. That's Cornelius' attitude. I, I love that. And, and so... Here's what's happening. They arrived there. Peter entered his home, and Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. Because he's, he's like, I don't know who this guy is, but obviously he's a superstar because an angel of the Lord told me about him. But Peter, now I'm thankful for this. Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. Don't worship me. A lot of times when angels appeared, people would bow down and worship, and the angel would say, hey, don't worship me. You know, this is, um, this is something we have to be careful about, especially people who are in public arenas, that we start believing the praises that people want to give to us. And anybody in ministry especially if they're a high-profile person. I mean, sadly, for the last several years, we've been, we have seen a lot of high-profile pastors known nationally and internationally have moral failures because they got full of themselves too much and not full of Jesus. And that's when I, why I, when I mentor pastors, that's something I, I speak to them about regularly, about staying humble before the Lord and and, and don't take the praise of men in a way that, that it begins to cause you to have a big head, that you've got to guard against this and, and you've, got to, you've got to protect yourself from this because you'll fall into sin if you're not careful. So they talked together and Peter told him, he says, you know, I'm not even supposed to be in this house. It's against our Jewish laws. It's, it's against our Jewish laws for me to even have an association with you. But God has shown me, and it took him three times to show me, but God has shown me to no longer think of anyone as unworthy, as impure or unclean. God has shown me all those rules are out the window, that Jesus is for everyone. I mean, there's no room for prejudice or pride in your life to think that Jesus isn't for everyone. And, and, and listen to this. If you're excited about your salvation, great. 
But if you never ever share your salvation with others, you're showing a form of prejudice. You may want to call it fear or it just makes me nervous, but I'm telling you, deep in your heart, it's a prejudice. You either don't think God can save a person like that, or maybe you don't think that they should be saved or they deserve to be saved. Just remind yourself, neither were you. The gospel, Jesus is for everyone. So now Cornelius, he tells his story. He shares about the trance he was, or the vision he had. And, and so then Peter said to him, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And, and Cornelius feared God and he did what was right. He, he took care of the needs of the poor. I mean, he, he met people's needs, their physical needs. And, and so this message of good news for the people of Israel, that there's only peace through Jesus Christ. And so Peter tells him the story of Jesus. And the words that Peter is saying now are revolutionary. I mean, this, this is a game changer. This changes everything. That the gospel really is, when Jesus said, go into all the world, he wasn't saying, go into all the world and find all the Jewish people. No, he was saying go to all nations, all people groups, everybody. Jesus is for everyone. And so the apostles were a witness, a firsthand witness to everything that Jesus said and did. They witnessed to him being on a cross. And they saw him after he rose from the dead. And then he said, and he ordered us, Jesus ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. So Peter, it's almost like this is when the lights came on for Peter. Peter knew that Jesus had already told them to go everywhere, but here's what some people believe. They said, okay, you, anybody can become a Christian, but you got to become a Jewish first, person first. You got to become Jewish first, then you can get saved. You, you got to go through all our rituals. You got to be circumcised, then you can be saved. And God was saying, oh, no, you don't. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is for everyone. And so in the middle of, sermon, of the sermon that Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell down on these people that were listening. I mean, God didn't even wait for the invitation. You know, <laughs> I mean, because God's looking at their hearts and God knew that their hearts were ready to receive Jesus. And, and so they received Jesus because when they heard about Jesus, they, they were accepting him in their hearts even before there was a come forward invitation. And the Holy Spirit, when you pray to receive Christ, the Holy Spirit shows up because he's the only way you can be saved. And the Holy Spirit filled them and was now going to live in them. And then even Peter said, can anyone object to their being baptized? And the answer was absolutely not. 
I mean, it's like Peter was saying, hey, if you got a problem with that, you got a problem with God. And, and so the, this amazing story is just a reminder to you and me that Jesus truly is for everyone. And, and if I am not interested in the salvation of others, then I am an arrogant, wicked person. Let me say that again. If I do not care about the eternal soul of another person, then I am an arrogant, wicked person. That's strong. That's strong. Verse 17 of chapter 11, he says, and since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us, this is Peter talking, I mean, the same Jesus, the same Holy Spirit lives in us, now lives in these Gentiles. Who am I to stand in God's way? I mean, if God's going to do what he's going to do, who are you to stand in the way? You either get to be a part of what God's doing or he will push you out of the way and do it in spite of you. So we need to have the heart that says, God, I want to get in on it and what you're doing. I want to be used by you to impact other people's lives. Jesus is for everyone. Forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me of my prejudice. Forgive me of my pride. I want, to, I want in on the action of Jesus coming into people's lives. I want to be a part of that. I want to be there on the front lines. I want to have a heart like Cornelius, even before he was saved. I want to be God-fearing, and I want to be a person that's making a difference in other people's lives. Let's pray.